0: Go to the Word Radio Broadcast, a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Ontario, Ohio. I'm Pastor Dave Davenport. Today we're studying in the book of Matthew and we're in chapter 13. We trust you'll have your Bible open and stay with us for the next several minutes as we go to the Word. Let's take our Bibles this morning and let's turn over to the book of Matthew and chapter 13. We're looking at the parables of the kingdom of heaven. Many commentators have looked at these as being an overview of the entire history of the church age. These are not exhaustive, but the kingdom of heaven is sometimes misunderstood. But for we who are reading our Bibles routinely, we begin to get a glimpse of what the Lord's talking about. And having arrived on the scene... He was, in fact, the heir apparent to David's throne. He was born in Joseph's family as his firstborn, thus giving him a right to the throne, but also of the bloodline of David through Mary. And all that being said, he's the king. And everybody knew he was in that line. All of those Pharisees knew it. You've got to remember this. Whenever you're reading about the Pharisees pushing back on Jesus, you know they went back and looked at the archives. They knew who he was. They didn't like who he was, and they didn't like what he was about and how he was going about doing things. But nevertheless, he was the king. So when he talks about the kingdom of heaven, and he's using parables, you begin to realize that what he's doing is he's basically aggravating the circumstance for those who will not believe. And that's exactly what God does. He aggravates the circumstance. If you don't want to believe, he will not twist your arm. In fact, he will... Twist things up, okay? You contort things in front of you and make it easier for you not to believe. Because He's not going to, uh, as it were, beg for us to come. He's not going to do that. He will condescend. He comes meek, lowly, manger, anybody can come near. The cross, humiliation on display. Willingly, He gives Himself, but nevertheless, He just simply makes the invitation. Let him who has ears to hear, Let him hear. And he also tells us, come unto me. He invites you, come unto me and I will give you rest. He who is thirsty, come unto me, I will give you drink. He is a gracious king above all kings that would ever walk upon the face of this earth. And he has established a kingdom. You recall, right, Jesus, when he was being pressed by Pilate, what did he say? He said, are you a king? He says, yes, as thou sayest. But my kingdom is not of this world. Because if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would rise up and fight. Think about that. Those disciples, they wanted to. (laughs) God knows. They got to sort out. Peter's ready to go at it. But nevertheless, he stayed them. And he kept things under control even in the time when it could have come unraveled. So look at the concept of this kingdom you You begin to see him really drilling into it in those areas. But also in Luke 17, the Sadducees and the Pharisees and those leaders of the religion of the Jews at the time, it says when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when they demanded of him to give an answer, when the kingdom of God should come. They're asking the right person, right? But they have no heart for it. This is very similar to the Matthew 24 and 25 section where they said, when will the kingdom come? And that was his disciples, and he really sat down and gave them a talking to and gave them real good information. But it says, when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, lo, here, nor lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And the word within has the idea of in your midst. In other words, he was already there. His kingdom was already here. The king was here, and wherever the king goes, the kingdom is represented. In fact, it should be understood that when he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, he as the king is oftentimes brought into view as he goes through these. He talks, a sower went forth to sow seed. And when you see these sower parables, the tares parables, all these parables of the kingdom in this chapter... What you have in these parables is the initiation of the kingdom. It doesn't say anything about the kingdom of heaven. It just says a sower went forth to sow. That was the initiation. He was the sower, and he sowed the seed of the gospel, and it was going to happen continuously from his beginning of it. So that was the initiation. Then there was infiltration. We saw that with the tares. We also see degradation, because in that mustard seed, the birds of the air dwell In it. Okay. We also see the degradation in the fact that this woman comes into view and she's got leaven and she's putting it in three measures and and she's leavening the whole thing. That's degradation. You can't even recognize the church anymore. There are people who would say they can't find a church in their area, wherever they may be across the United States. I hear it on the Christian radio many times. We don't know where to go because of various doctrinal issues and they just can't find the church anywhere when they're digging in, and I'm not sure I can document it other than to say people are saying things on Christian radio many times that they're having a hard time finding a church. Then there's complication, and that complication comes in with those parables we looked at last week, and the treasure and the pearl, and the complication is it's hidden, treasure's hidden in a field, and that would be, of course, the, uh, the treasure of the gospel. It's hard to find the gospel today. You know, the gospel is very simple, and yet the devil's done everything he can to complicate things. Paul says even at the earliest part of the church age, he says, you know, I, I fear to the Corinthians. He says, I fear lest you be removed from the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. They might come to you with another gospel. They might come to you with another spirit they might come to you with another christ and you would bear it so he's he's really already seeing the seeds of such confusion or complication uh, it was john in first john who says many antichrists are already here you heard that he will come but there are many already here that was first century how many are there now we've seen about the false teachers we've seen false doctrine and so forth and it's very, very complicated. But today we're going to be looking at consummation of this kingdom. So as you see it going through these parables, He's literally given us a real glimpse all the way along to the next stage, from one to the next to the next, because even a little bit earlier in our passage, I think it's like verse 43, yes, it says, there shall Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so what you're seeing is is that he's already given us a little heads up that this is about a kingdom that's got a beginning and an end. Sower went forth to sow seed, but today we're going to be looking at the dragnet. Maybe you remember years ago there was a TV series in black and white called Dragnet. Known for the infamous, just the facts, ma'am just the facts or whatever, so we're all familiar with that, that it was not something that you would want to be caught up in, because they were usually looking for a criminal. Well, in this parable of the net in our Bibles, we actually have a parable of a drag net, if you will. Watch what it says. In verse 47, we'll begin the reading, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net, "...that was cast into the sea, and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to the shore, and sat down, and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the age, the angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the furnace of fire... There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. A few short verses, but we see things that are profound, very powerfully set forth. He's mentioned it earlier, as I said in verse 44, he talks about the wailing and gnashing as well in that parable. But what we need to realize is that he's made it clear what he's talking about when he comes to verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world. Now, the word world is aeneas. It has the idea of age, not world proper, like at the end of the present earth in heaven and a new heaven and an earth. And he's not talking about that. He's just saying this age. Now, the word age comes to mind when you... Think of all of the times you hear it in the church. You've heard of the church age, okay? We're in the church age. And so at the end of this church age is what he's talking about. We can pretty much understand from the whole context of the chapter thus far. He says the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net. When you look at the word net, you do understand that this is a dragnet because the scriptures in their original languages point out a connective. In fact, the word for net here is the only place in the Bible it appears. Now, if you step back for a second, you think, well, what about Peter? Those guys, they threw their net, right? Cast on the other side. Not the same kind of net. There's a kind of net that is surface. There's a kind of net that they're looking for a certain level of fish, so they're just reaching in and pulling out, reaching in and pulling out. But what we're having here is a net that's behind a boat that's being sunk to the bottom and being dragged along. In fact, if you were to go into the word itself, it actually is a word that means to stretch out. And it's the only occurrence in the New Testament for this word. Is Some people have called it a draw net. Some people call it a dragnet. We understand the concept in our mind, but we don't fish like that. So it's kind of a little murky, but the concept is tethered. In its word, Vincent, who's a scholar of words, he says through transcription of the word into the Latin, Sagina in the Greek comes into a word, sane, that means to make a great sweep. Now, this is not talking about the entire kingdom of God right here. He's talking about the end of the age. You see, what's happening right now is we're dealing with all this other stuff. There's seed flying out, there's birds in the air, there's leaven in the midst, and there's all kinds of things that make it very difficult for us to discern right from wrong. I heard a good quote this past week from C.H. Spurgeon. He said, discernment is not the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. It's the ability to distinguish between right and almost right. Isn't that good? Because we're living in a day right now where you're being told lie here and a lie there. Then you're seeing January 6th being put on display for almost two years being told one thing and suddenly they're telling you other things. It required a degree of discernment. And for most of those who are walking with the Lord, have their Bibles open and reading from day to day. They knew those people weren't bad people up there. They were folks who were just going for a certain and something happened, but it Didn't smell right or whatever. But that's the thing you've been constantly bombarded by ever since forever, really, in our lifetimes. Do you know where the word conspiracy theorist came from? It was conjured by the CIA because folks were questioning the Kennedy assassination. And they pooled their ideas and they said, well, what we've got to do is we've got to start demonizing these people by calling them conspiracy theorists. And that's the beginning of the words conspiracy theorist. So what you call somebody a conspiracy theorist, be mindful that it's getting pretty weird out there, and we've had a lot of conspiracies over the past three years beginning to be put up on the bench and examined under this scrupulous eye of those who are really concerned about what's been said, and suddenly we're seeing some different things being said. Now we're right on the cusp of examination of the COVID files. This recent Congress, it's 435 members of Congress, about 419 present, 419 to 0 voted to unseal all of the documents they have about what they know about COVID. Why did they do that? Because they were wondering what in the world was going on. And they wanted to be seen by the public. This is new. So we've had the Twitter files. Now we're looking at the COVID files. And we've seen the J6 files this past week. What I'm trying to show you is, is that you need some discernment in these days, don't you? Now, this passage here... Because we have a unfolding narrative, it starts out with one sower going forth to sow and then we all pick it up But you know, children of God are the seed, he says in the tares passage, you know, and he says and the children of the evil one are sown in their tares and he kinda brought us down the line. He shows us in the end it's all going to be hard to find because you got the woman who's got three measures of meal and she leavens them all. And what you have is you have streams. I don't know, if you have ever looked into much of your church history, you would find most of church history speaks to you about popes and kings, okay? That's not the real church. Well, that concludes today's portion of the message. This has been a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Ontario, Ohio. And I'm Pastor Dave Davenport. I hope you'll join us Monday through Friday for our verse-by-verse studies. And we hope you'll tell others to tune in as well. If you'd like to contact us and learn more about our ministry, go to faithbaptist1.net. You can also download recent broadcasts on our homepage. We hope you'll make it a point to tune in daily as we go to the Word.